you went into the club, Master. Patience. Use the force. Think. Sorry, Master. You went in there to hide, not to run. Yes, Master. Next time, try not to lose it. Yes, Master. This weapon is your life. I try, Master. Why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? Don't say that, Master. You're the closest thing I have to a father. Then why don't you listen to me? I am trying. Can you see him? I think he is a she. And I think she's a changeling. In that case, be extra careful. Go and find her. Where are you going, Master? For a drink. Hello, Star Wars fans and Moof Milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 336 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. An Attack of the Clones year is finally back. We're, we're making good on our promise that we haven't forgotten about Attack of the Clones year. Yeah, we didn't forget. We just took our time getting back to it. The year has gotten away from us. It's been kind of crazy. Like we said, have you noticed how busy we've been over here? We'd, we haven't forgotten about our best friend, Attack of the Clones. It's always on our mind. Constantly. There's just a very lot of Star Wars going on this year and next year and for the foreseeable future. It's nonstop. There's no rest. There's no rest. But every once in a while, you know what? It's, it's like calling home. Sending an email to a loved one. Every once in a while, you just got to reach out to the people you care about. And every once in a while, you just got to talk about Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Just call it on the phone. Just want to hear your voice, Attack of the Clones. That's all. The thought of not being with you. I can't breathe. All you got to do is turn on Disney Plus and it's right there. You can wake up in the middle of the night in a sweat and be like, I got to watch Attack of the Clones. And you know what? You can do it. So 
So anyways, Attack of the Clones year is back with a vengeance this week, and we are so excited for this topic. We are talking all about in-depth, second-by-second, minute-by-minute, moment-by-moment, everything that has to do with the Outlander Club in Attack of the Clones. And we could not do this alone. We are so happy to welcome back to Blast Points our friend, Amy Rakow. Amy, how are you doing? So good to have you back. Well, I'm excited to be back to talk about the best four minutes of Star Wars, as I have, that's what I named my spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) But I am very, very happy to be back. Uh, I think Attack of the Clones is just a wonderful, I love how dramatic and how like very extra everything is about Attack of the Clones. And I love Star Wars background characters and like digging into like who is back there, what were they doing? And there's just no better scene, perhaps other than Jabba's Palace, uh, than to me, the Outlander Club. It's really true. And it's it's a scene that just that doesn't get the love that it should. No, and I think, you know, when when you watch like I I have now watched it more times than I've ever seen it before, um, just to prepare it to be on here. But I think that, you know, what's interesting about it is that so many of the characters, I feel like, you know, look very specific to this film. Like they like, oh yeah, like that's like what people at Coruscant would look like. But a lot of them also look like they just kind of, you know, got off of the ship and off of Canto Bite and like easily could have been there or, you know, could easily have gone to like any of these other cantinas that we've seen in recent Star Wars. But I, I agree that there just isn't enough love for so many of these background characters. And, you know, the, the prequels really embraced naming and giving backstories to a lot of these smaller characters, which really makes kind of like looking at the scene through the lens of like who's behind Obi-Wan and Anakin even more fun to to dive into. Yeah, this scene was always neat because it was kind of our first look at like the uh, the fancy people at a bar because, you know, we had the original cantina, which was kind of a dive bar. And then Jabba's Palace was much worse place to be than uh, the cantina. And here now we are in yeah, fancy Coruscant and it's like a sports bar and there are just so many people in there you know just set up the scene you know the as it, it's it, it, this happens about 22 or about 21 minutes into the film and there's an attack on Padme's life they decide that they that Anakin and Obi-Wan are going to you know be her protectors try to figure out who's trying to kill her um, and everything about the opening of the movie is so dramatic because like Padme is like, I think Dooku's doing it and Mace Window is like, oh no, like there's no way he could do it. And she like gives him like this glare of death, like, you know, like, oh, I think he's doing it. You know, like, I mean, everything is just, you know, and Anakin and Padme like have, you know, their awkward kind of re-meeting thing. Like, and then there's this like amazing chase where uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan launch themselves into the streets of Coruscant because Zam the bounty hunter Zam has put these two little crazy assassin worms in Padme's bedroom. They, you know, take away, take out the worms, jump into the streets. And so you're basically like in the streets of Coruscant, which are of course filled with dozens and dozens of spaceships that are like flying around. Um, and John Nolan, the audio commentary talked about how they really, you know, I think with everything, if when you look into star Wars, like the people who are making these films they don't just slap together like, you know, what these scenes will look like. They really thought about, 
okay, Coruscant has a variety of districts in them. What are these districts? And if you watch it, you can see you move from kind of one district to another as they're going through the chase. And then they end up in what he referred to just as the entertainment district, which is right outside the club of um, the Outlander Club. But one thing that I, I, I know that somewhere, it, like I know that I've seen pictures of it, but I think that, have you guys heard that um, in the chase scene, apparently you can see three mini TIE fighters in the background of that chase scene, which doesn't make sense because TIE fighters really don't ha- shouldn't exist yet. <laughs> but that was something that I found when I was looking through this is that somewhere in the, during the chase scene, you apparently can see kind of like a couple of TIE fighters in the background. Although I have not found them. I don't know if you guys have ever found them or had seen that. I haven't found Jason. Have you ever seen him in the background? No, I remember that being a thing, though, when Attack of the Clones was like in movie theaters. And I remember I went to go see it so many times in the theater. And I remember seeing it once and being like, this time I'm going to find the TIE Fighters. And I never did. It's like, you know, finding the potato in the asteroid chase in Empire or the shoe in Return of the Jedi or something. Yeah, I feel like I get I get distracted because like there's the great like Jedi poodoo line, which always like cracks me up and takes me out of like whatever like I'm looking for. And then I mean the whole scene is just like, you know, people are like jumping in and out of like their their ships, like floating around in the air, and you know, Anakin loses his lightsaber and Kenobi catches it, which is completely insane and ridiculous, but like I mean that as a compliment. Um, like, you know, it just, you know, Zam's face changes. And so you can tell that she's a shapeshifter and like, you just, you know, everything just starts to kind of go off the rails. I feel like in that, you know, in that speeder chase, um, and Doug Chang, when he was talking about, um, in the art of book for the, um, attack of the clones, he said that for this kind of sequence, we were going down to a street level to see Coruscant we've never seen before. George threw down the gauntlet when he said it have to, uh, look better than Blade Runner. And they talked about how ideas for the sequence is that they have droid bartenders, electric faces projected on screens, which it does have like a bit of a space Vegas kind of feel to it. There are a lot of scenes where you see different projections of aliens and, you know, it could be a commercial or whatever. But I think it's interesting because a lot of the artists, when they were doing the concept art, the concept art, of course, happened so early that, you know, they don't have script and so they're really just kind of like throwing out a lot of the a lot of ideas but a lot of the concept art that I've seen that was in that book is pretty close to you know what you what you ended up with so I I the the art of book for this film I think is really um is really great and it has a pretty fun section on this and I also like the I think that the I think the art of book at the at the end it has some of the maybe the entire script to the film but I like there are two descriptions from the script that are related to the scene that that I thought were both fantastic. Uh, One of them, it's it's the seedy underbelly of the city, broken sidewalks, garish lights reflected in filthy puddles. It's pretty crowded with alien lowlifes, panhandling droids and the occasional group of upper class slummers, (laughs) which I think that they did a really good job of bringing that to life. And the other funny like quote that I think from this script is, uh, which jumping ahead a little bit, but Obi-Wan heads for the bar. Anakin blinks in surprise and moves into the room where alien faces look back at him with hostility, suspicion, and invitation as he moves among the table. Uh, Obi-Wan arrives at the bar. He signals the barman. And I have to tell you that like I just busted out laughing so much with the whole like, 
looking at him with hostility, suspicious, and invitation. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hearing you d- d- describe it and set it all up, though, it takes me back to seeing it for the first time and the fact that. Once the chase kind of begins, which I love that it begins literally by our characters jumping out a window. That's how you know that Attack of the Clones is now going to the next level. We'd never seen like colors like that, like neon in Star Wars before. And you think of how many times we visited the lower levels of Coruscant and Clone Wars and in TV shows and stuff. And now it was the first time with like these kind of colors and th- like this many just normal people that weren't like on a street on tattooing walking around. It was so totally new looking at that time. Yeah. Because it, it looks, it looks like a metropolitan, you know, area where you have people from all walks of life, all kind of converging in this one area. I think that the costume designers and ever like the casting and like everyone did a really great job of making it, you know, seem like a melting pot. It's not like, oh, it's just a whole bunch of people from this Tatooine, you know, city, or it's not like, oh, they're all like fancy rich people. Like there's really a variety of people in the bar, which I felt really, you know, makes it kind of a more, more interesting place to set a scene. It's, it's more realistic that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's very realistic. The whole, the whole movie is very, very realistic. Well, what, what do you say we dig into it and we start going minute by minute, second by second, through the Outlander scene? We've got a lot of information to cover here. What we're starting, what's, if people want to play along at home here, what's the starting moment that people should queue up Attack of the Clones to? And we're going off the Disney Plus version here for, for everyone. <clears throat> so at Disney Plus, so the first time code I wrote down was 2056 which is when Anakin is just kind of getting up after, you know, his speeder has crashed. They're on the ground outside of the club. Uh, And basically there's a blonde woman on the left and there's a woman on the right who's wearing an amazing Yoda hat, which I think you should be able to buy at Disney, like at the the Disney store. Um, Because I don't know anything about this woman in the Yoda hat other than she's got the best hat of the entire sequence. And so I think we need to honor her. I don't know if that character has a name, but I think she's amazing. But the blonde woman, she does have a name, and her name is Lilia Brigbit. And she is a costume archivist, Jillian Libert. And she, you know, a lot of the people that are in the background of this scene are people who work on the film, new people who worked on the film, and wanted to be in a Star Wars film because they're smart. <laughs> and, you know, and found a way to, you know, be in this, you know, be in this scene. Um, and so she is there doing, you know, she's not the one looking directly at the camera. She's she's doing a good job and she's looking at Anakin. But so that that is our first kind of cameo is 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 Jillian, um, who is, you know, kind of she looks like a bit of a, you know, <clears throat> who knows what she's up to. I don't know if she ever goes inside the bar. But mostly I wanted to start here because of the Yoda hat woman, because she's my new one of my new favorites. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of great stuff. We got the guy in the middle who looked like he walked out of a Spy Kids movie. Next to <laughs> him, we got this woman with this, I can't tell if that's a hat or if that's her hair with like this gray white streak going on in her hair. She's the one that's staring at you judgingly. <laughs> <laughs> she's it's like she knows she knows we freeze framed and she's looking right at us 
I know. She's like, how dare you pick this one second <laughs> where I accidentally looked at the camera. But if you go like two seconds in, you stop and who enters the frame is an amazing Bith, who I have no memory of ever seeing in this film until I look. Uh, but there he is. So I, I wanted to, to, to honor him being there. <laughs> because... Well, it, it's fun if you look too, because the, the lady with the like, uh, like ball puffy ponytails on the right, she, it's like, she noticed the Biff comes in too. And she's like, uh Oh, <laughs> she's like looking at the Biff, <laughs> checking out his fancy, uh, his smock he's wearing. <laughs> How many times have I watched this movie and I have never noticed that a Biff comes in from screen left there. That That's amazing. I know, I, but he's there and, you know, now we can all, now you'll never be able to watch it and not see him. I think the other thing with this whole sequence, which is, which is just extra outrageous too, is like, because this was really the, the beginning of just full on digital madness with, with the prequels, this is kind of taking the idea of like the cantina or Jabba's palace. And because they had the the technology to just composite in as much and as many things as they wanted to that they kind of did and that's and they just kept layering more and more of these extras and creatures in and it's just it's just a really kind of yeah over the top thing because there's just so much stuff crammed into each of these frames so many people so after this so anakin sees we're gonna watch zam gets out of her ship there's a whole bunch of aliens there like more i mean you could talk the entire time about that but then he basically takes off and is running after her and what I think is funny about the running after is that from looking at some of the behind the scenes things, the stage that they were on that was outside of the Outlander Club was very, very small. And so when you're watching this chase, it looks like, you know, he's just chasing her like, you know, probably in a straight line. But really, the stage was everything was so compact that they are both Zam and Anakin are running around in circles. Um, which, you know, which is probably why they're like showing like, you know, only like from like the waist up. But so they're running around in circles, which again, I'm never going to not think that now that I've seen that because I'm like, oh, of course they're running around in circles. But there's some really interesting, um, there's so many good, you know, like little behind the scenes snippets about the prequels and Attack of the Clones and about the Island model shop had about 30 buildings that were kind of like around the Outlander Club. And I saw that they had repainted Dex's diner and it's more of like a reddish color. And it is some, I don't really know if you can actually see it anywhere in the film. Um, it's one of those things where I feel like I like look for it and I can't find it. And then it's like super obvious, but I like to, I like to just know that Dex's diner is, <laughs> is somewhere, was somewhere used in there for the sequence when they were running around, running around the outside. Yeah. That running in circles, thing was always kind of messed with my head too where you it just never crossed my mind until i saw how they did it and then it was like man now i can't not see it so but it's just cool with all the technology they had and that they could have you know done things so many different ways that it was like no this, this is the easy way to do it just have them run in a circle yeah no i mean it's one of the it's like one of those it's a very simple you know trick that like you would never know about it but like you know you you just do what you i mean obviously they're not going to like make a set that is as huge as you know coruscant so they're just going to do what they what they can. But I mean, the Coruscant, so I'm now paused. I went up to, you don't have to be exactly here, but like 21, 25. And what you, as we're talking about, like the colors, the vibrant colors, like the neon colors, like is just really so great. You can see, I've actually never noticed this. Like there's like a, it looks like Olivia Newton-John, like projected on the back of a building. 
uh, like, you know, you can see, like, I, like, I've seen lots of projections, but like, I've never noticed that one before, but like, it really is just, you know, it's, it's visually striking, but it's hard to really appreciate when you're just watching it because unless you are crazy like us and are going scene by scene to appreciate, you know, every little, every little moment. Well, and like Jason was saying earlier, it's so neat now, all these years later, how much this aesthetic is like just part of Star Wars. And, you know, the Kenobi show had the planet like this and the Clone Wars went nuts with stuff like this and Bad Batch going to the, you know, planets with kind of this real colorful sci-fi city look. Yeah. And so basically, so Anna, I mean, Obi-Wan has come he, They're all going to run and they're going to go inside. And I know that there are... um Tons of people who, you know, I have not been able to identify who were like, you know, had fun roles in there. Um, so everyone can add on. I love, you know, as they're running in, when you can see the the big projections above the entrance, like I always just like think of those as being like, I wish that they had those projected in Batu, <laughs> you know, like just like the like huge, like, ba- like, I don't know, like the idea of Star Wars commercials is like, I remember just being completely like, oh, that's amazing. Like when I first saw it. They've got like a little ticker tape, you know, like you might see like in in Times Square. But then they're going in. And the next thing that I have written down is, what is it? 2213, which is when they're just walking in. Oh, no, 2204 I had marked because one of the best lines of the entire sequence is when uh, Obi-Wan says to Anakin, why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? Which, you know... I feel like is such a perfect line for this film because it's just so like cheeky and, you know, like over the top, but is also, you know, just completely amazing. Well, and before we get inside, we, I think we have to give special mention to, to Ewan McGregor's fake beard in the, (laughs) in the scene outside too, because this is one of the highlights of the, of the reshoot beard. Yes. (laughs) The, the constantly back and forth, changing beard and hair somehow his face is slightly yeah everything about his face is slightly smaller in this scene is so great you can tell his emotions by the size of his face <laughs> you you just gotta go with his facial hair <laughs> i feel like by the time they got to to revenge of the sith obi-wan's beard and hair didn't really change much <laughs> it's like dig, the digital technology really got mastered and obi-wan kenobi's on again off again fake beard and I've got to say, too, I have never done this before of just pausing so much of this entire sequence. And there is literally so much going on that I have never noticed. I recommend to everyone listening to this, if you're listening to this in the car or if you're listening to this at work or something, when you get home, just watch this whole scene in slow-mo. Yeah, I mean, because even when they enter, like, there's just, like, so many interesting people. There's someone who's kind of in, like, a Leia kind of a bikini. There's, you know, I mean, because, like, you're, you're, you're paying attention to, you know, the actors talking. But there's just, I think that there were, like, a couple hundred people who ended up, like, working as extras in here. Uh, but I stopped it at 2213 because the guy in the middle who, with the brown hair, short brown hair, who's kind of in front of, uh, depending on where you exactly paused it, uh, Obi-Wan, he is someone, there were a lot of people who worked in the droid unit in Attack of the Clones that are in here. And I couldn't find a lot of them, but this is Justin Dix. That's his actual name. His Star Wars name is Dixon Just. (laughs) 
<laughs> but he and he's he's got the sideburns and he was part of the droid unit and a lot of them uh ended up being in this scene and i just think it's so fun that they were able to be in this scene because i just you know what a great benefit to your job is like just being able to like dress up as a goofy star wars character uh, i'm jealous basically i suppose that's what i'm saying now I've never noticed too. Right after they go past Justin Dix, the Obi Wan and Anakin are about to go down the stairs. There's a Gorgmonger from the market from Phantom Menace. You know, and that it it that she or he has a name, and it's it's not the same one, but I think related. <laughs> like, but that is a named character. Uh, but that, like, there are so many aliens that were from either the original trilogy or the Phantom Menace that pop up in the background that I absolutely had no idea were ever there. Oh my god! Yeah, how did I never see? It's the Gorgmonger in like a dress. I know, with like a high collar. Oh my goodness! When when they go out in the town, dressed <laughs> up. And if you look right above Anakin's head, there's a Reese way back there, too. Look at that. Oh. Okay, well, so our next step is one of my favorite shots. It is 2215, and you have a trio of ladies at the bar. The blonde on the left, her name is Immy Danu. Uh, the woman in the middle who's wearing red, and she is wearing sheer pants. They're very, very sheer. And I really hope that whoever that woman is, like, I hope when she, like, goes to parties or, like, goes to a work event and they're having, like, icebreakers, like, and when they, like, ask her, like, what's an interesting thing, you know, about your life, I really hope that she says that she wore sheer pants in a Star Wars film. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, I mean, who else can say that? Like, I'm really not sure that there's anyone who's worn pants that are as sheer as this woman's pants are. And she looks great. It's it's like the Gorgmonger. I don't. I, I don't think I've ever actually even seen Attack of the Clones because I, <laughs> because I've never noticed this this woman in the see, basically see through pants. Oh, I've always noticed her. I've always loved her. She's she's always been a queen to me. And her name is like Nirat Agira. So there there was a Star Wars Insider article where a lot of these characters are pictured and named. Um, if you are wondering where I got some of this information. Um, so that woman and then the woman who you can see her back. She's got like a bikini top on. Her name is Rosha Vess. And those three are together. And they uh, are members of the zealots of the Pusan cult, which if you're not familiar, uh, <laughs> they uh, considered Jeddah, uh, the Jeddah moon, a holy site. And they were apparently a female cult. And, you know, I feel like, you know, whoever gets to write from a certain point of view, attack of the clones, like I really want to know more about these three women. The woman in the middle, who's got the wonderful sheer pants, her, if you, if she would turn around, and I don't know if you can ever see it, because I mean, you can, they, they're kind of wandering around the the bar, you know, after this. But she's got a tattoo on her um, abdomen that is like a cult tattoo from the zealots of Pusan. Like, I mean, someone really went like someone, you know, these women are there with a purpose. They're going to try to get you to join their cult. So they might seem like they're just there to party, but like they have, you know, like many people there, they have ulterior motives. What was this from? 
I don't even remember. This is uh, like I think that, like oh. I mean I think uh, part of it I think was from like the Star Wars Insider. Now I feel bad because I can't remember exactly where that is from. But I think that some of it was from you know what we were talking before we started recording. Like a lot of the people in this sequence show up on these behind the scenes uh, clips. What were they called? Like on location? Is that what they were called? Yeah, there was the Ahmed Best, the amazing Ahmed Best on location. We did an episode, it was like February 2020, we did an episode all about the Ahmed Best on location videos. And a lot of these people show up there. I can't remember, I'm actually, I'm, I'm Googling it now that we're like, as we're recording, I'm Googling it. But like, I can't remember if like all of this backstory was just from that Star Wars Insider or like if it was from... uh tops card or like whatever but like you can find all of this stuff in like all kinds of pictures from like some of it is from like the you know the the visual encyclopedia some of it is from like the complete locations book like there are just like tiny little tidbits a lot about a lot of all these women I think that that woman I think the woman with the sheer pants I think that her picture is in I think that that's why partially why I love her and always noticed her too I'm pretty sure that her picture is in the the visual guide um, for this section, but those women, like if I ever got to write a, fr- from a certain point of view, like I would pick those three women cause I think that they're amazing and I want to know more about them. And I would love, like, if I ever could interview that woman who wore the sheer pants, like that would be a dream because I just think that like, I hope that she really embraces that. Cause I think she's amazing. One thing I didn't notice too, cause we're distracted by the sheer pants is right in front of the frame right next to her is a lady with a giant beehive hairdo walking by. <laughs> oh my, and oh my goodness, Amy, I just got out the attack of the clones visual dictionary and there she is. Yep. Yeah, okay. That I was going to say, cause I looked, I saw that picture. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I know. Like I must've seen or like her from there. Yeah. So I don't know like who, you know, I know a lot of, you know, like this was all filmed, you know, this was all filmed in Australia, I think. I think that, you know, a lot of extras, you know, like we're there, like I've interviewed a couple people who were extras. We're going to come to someone who ghosted me for an interview later on in the segment. (laughs) 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 But, uh, but those three women, uh, so if you are familiar, so if you want, you can get a better, you can, you can look at the tattoo. Can you see the tattoo in the picture? You sure can. Yeah. There's an arrow pointing to it too. Yeah. Those are the amazing annotations in those books. Dr. David West Reynolds, legend. Okay. We've been looking at this one frame for a while. We've got we've got to move on. What do we have up next? All right, we're going to move on just to a couple of seconds. You got anyone over and let's just go until you can see the bedding area. Cuz the bedding area was all a reshoot. So all kind of filmed in a separate location and I love just the idea of Star Wars sports bedding. I think that that is like pretty great. And apparently, uh, Ben Burt wrote out play-by-plays for some of these sports betting, which I think is hilarious. Of course he did. Just I know, of course he did. Because, like, he really just went, he does everything extra because that's just, you know, the man that he is. But the best part of the sports betting thing to me is that Amy Allen, who, you know, worked at ILM and played ILS Secura, um, the Jedi Knight in this movie, Attack of the Clones, and then in uh, Revenge of the Sith. She appears three times in about two seconds. And she plays Maya and Yama Nal, like blonde twins, who I think like the two blondes, like I think that literally she's the two blondes on the left. I think she's both of them. I think that they might have like, right. I'm not really sure, but I think she's at least right. the one that is like, 
farther on the left and they're near the video screens and that's Amy Allen and she's blonde. And so if you pick out two blonde women, that's basically, you know, who you're seeing. And then the very next scene, so you have a couple people who are walking by. And then in the very next scene, if you pause when you see Anakin and Obi-Wan, they like have a couple lines of dialogue. And then if you pause it, there's two women who walk by them. And there's a woman who, um, 2234 is what I wrote down. And there's a blonde woman who's wearing a ridiculous hat who looks like she's out of Pirates of the Caribbean. And that is again, Amy Allen. And Amy Allen there is an, uh, a character named Leela Maine. And I don't know how she got this backstory, but um, she's a native of Coruscant, went to university to study architecture, and her daughter became a starship captain. She might, you know, she just walks around. But I think the most important part is that she looks like she just walked off a Pirates of the Caribbean film. Yeah. Or a Jamiroquai concert, either. But when really, what's the difference? <laughs> Well, and her hat is so crazy, it distracts you from her friend who hasn't even... Her her hat looks like the, the facehugger and alien is attached to her. <laughs> and so then right after this, at 2236, Obi-Wan says, be extra careful. And then the very next... Oh, wait, where is he? Oh, Don B's? Oh, yeah. He's right behind Anakin's shoulder. He is behind Anakin's shoulder. So this is droid unit supervisor, uh, Dan B, Don Bees, who is known as the most experienced R2 controller, I believe. Uh, and he's playing a character named Arturo Pretura, uh, which is like, you know, I'm not even sure how you would say that, but I mean, it's like, it's an R2-D2 kind of, you know, play on words. And I just think that that's delightful. That like he, I mean, I feel like, you know, he's not like super, super dressed up. Like, I think he looks like, you know, he looks like. And so I think everyone could easily kind of, you know, spot him. But I kind of wonder like if anyone was like, oh, let's put this hat on you or like, let's like do this. And he's like, no, just give me a coat, you know, like. Which Amy, again, I, if, if, if we saw Don B's walking around a celebration, Gabe and I would probably pass out. And I've watched this movie literally hundreds of times and i've never noticed don b's walking right behind anakin skywalker he's there for a second and so that i like i couldn't even i could barely find him when i was looking for him <laughs> like right here but he's there and then a whole bunch of the people in his droid unit um are there as well and so i think that that makes him a fun boss that that was a you know how they spent a day of what they're you know a day of what they're doing and then shortly after this obi-wan says he's gonna get a drink which i think is you know relatable uh but like like if you just like kind of you know play and pause and play and pause like people have weird hats they have weird hairstyles there's a lot of weird stuff going on but i think i went until 2252 so you're passing a couple of people oh you can see a couple of rodians who have very fancy coats on yeah well the one rodian has like rainbow colored hair extensions and a fur coat <laughs> yeah no i mean because you know there's some fancy people there but then if you stop right around 2252, you see two of the most notable cameos, which is uh, Katie Lucas, uh, one of George Lucas's daughters, Lune Minx, um, the Twi'lek, the purple Twi'lek. And then you see uh, the great Ahmed Best, who is Ahmed Beck. And he got an action figure out of this, for which I don't have, which I'm kind of sad about but he apparently said when he was doing um press for the game show 
that he thinks that this character is related somehow to the Jedi master that he played in the game show. And I love that he said that. Like, I love that he is like making connections to, you know, his characters to like, you know, like that, that's what I would do. And so I love that he uh, went that extra, <laughs> went that extra mile to, to collect, to do that. The in story is that he and someone who we'll see later, are posing as Republic security force officers attempting to con patrons out of their credits. Because again, there's just a whole bunch of, you know, fun backstories. But a lot of people will know Katie Lucas because she had a cameo in all three Star Wars uh, prequels. She was Anakin's friend Amy in The Phantom Menace. She introduced braces into canon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I love. Um, I, I love that like probably someone was like, maybe like, like might've thought about like mentioning that to George, like, well, like she's got braces on, like, don't you think that's weird? And be like, nah, let's not mention it. Like it's fine. Um, you know, they have braces in star Wars. Uh, and then in revenge of the Sith, she was, uh, the Senator Chi Ikwe. And, you know, she, to me, is a legend because of she wrote several Star Wars Clone Wars episodes, including many that involve the Night Sisters. Some of my very, very favorite Clone, War, Clone Wars episodes. Um, and so I think it's fun that she didn't just she's not just in one of them. Like she's in all three. She like embraced the makeup, embraced the very long time that I'm sure it took her to um to get in there and the character behind her, you get a better, I have her farther down the spreadsheet because you can see her more, but she's, she's either a slave or an exotic dancer, depending on who you listen to. Um, like so many Twi'leks sadly have that, you know, kind of a backstory. I would be a Twi'lek, I think if I could, you know, be in a Star Wars film. So I like that she, she embraced all of that makeup. Why did I never notice too, right behind Ahmed Best, in the upper corner, there's three Nemodians wearing cool hats, just chilling out. Yep. I thought the same thing. I was like, how how have I not seen you all these years? And I love if you look in that shot, there's this like the normal guy standing there. Like, and he can tell he's next to some Nemodians and Ahmed Best and he's like trying to keep it cool. <laughs> but he's like, he's not doing a very good job of it. He's too excited. That's what I would look like if I was standing there. So we go forward just a little bit and then you get to the, of course, you get to Elon Sleaze, how do you even say it? Sleaze Bogano? Who is the only one of these background characters that gets to talk? You want to buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. So there's CG in the shot because there's the glowing, his his death stick glowing cg the drinks have like a little bit of like cg glow to them a little bit but what i think is funny is that i don't really i did not i don't remember him having the antenna which apparently is cg and i i read and i haven't looked at him close enough that i think that they took away his ears (laughs) with cg yeah he doesn't have ears and when i finally read about that i was like i was like no he doesn't (laughs) and then i went back and watched it and it's like no he doesn't have any ears now, and here, here's a funny thing. The Visual Dictionary, he has ears. He has ears and no antenna. Yeah, though that's why. That's funny. Yeah, no, I guess like they, like they probably, like those are from, you know, the stills were taken, you know, before. And so maybe it was like much more of like a last minute ad. But like, I feel like I've seen the death stick thing like a million times and I could picture it. But like, I really completely spaced out that he had fun antenna. <laughs> 
it's yeah, you spend too much time looking at the visual dictionary and not enough time watching the movie, which ha- happens. <laughs> so the woman who is to the right of Obi-Wan, the character name is Kaylin Farmier, um, which is a Tuckerism of Mary Franklin, who used to run fan relations for Lucasfilm. And I forgot to write down the person's name, but she contacted me when I was still doing 365 Star Wars Women and wanted to do an interview. And I sent her questions and then she was really busy with something. And then we just never, then it just never happened. And it was kind of like near the end. I know I said she ghosted me, but she's fine. We're, we're on, we were, we're great. <laughs> we're on good terms, but, uh, <laughs> but like, it was kind of like right near the, when I decided to kind of, you know, close out everything for 365. But I'm sad because I think that I never did that interview. I might need to go back to her because I would really like to know her insight on this. I, I think that's a story that needs to be told. Yeah. I talked to someone who was in who was an extra at Dex's Diner and it was delightful just because, you know, like, you know, we see, you know, this whole sequence for four minutes, but they were there for like four days. and and all kinds of things are filmed that you know you don't make the deleted scenes and stuff like that so maybe this maybe this is going to be the time when i i have their email address someplace so i'm gonna have to go back well i love the look of her character like she looks like she could be like a bounty hunter or something she's got like this like hard plastic thing around her neck i love it yeah no i think that like and i mean it's just you know again it's just i like how all of the characters are very, very different. They all look like they're different things. Like she definitely looks like, you know, she's there. Either she's had a hard day and is like good there for having a drink or she's there to stake out something like a totally different look from like the woman in like the huge beehive, you know, hairdo that's on the left or my woman in the sheer pants, I think is right behind, like on the right corner. <laughs> I know, sheer pants woman, that's what I'm going to call her. But it's only, it's out of respect and love. That that's what I refer to her as. But let me tell you that one of the craziest things that I noticed the entire time is I'm forwarding it a little bit. And I stopped it at 2318. Who is this guy? Yeah. I was so happy that you pointed him out because I had never seen him before until today. I was watching this scene again, getting ready. And I was like, whoa, who's this guy? And then I was looking at your spreadsheet and I was like, wait, she found him too. Like, I'm obsessed with this guy too with the giant hair and the like the puffy vest. He's got, he's got, I, I, I wrote down like line main dude, like by like, who is he? Like, how have I never noticed him? Like, this would be an amazing, like the ultimate niche cosplay. Like, I mean, he is just like, so like such a presence just lurking behind Anakin. And anyways, I don't know what his name is. I don't know who the actor is. I don't know what his character's name is, but he is someone that if you have not ever noticed him before, please give him some love. He he needs a little action figure, a Funko Pop, a Black Series, a Hot Toys. <laughs> he we need it all. Yeah. This twenty three eighteen guy though, I I remember noticing him in the theater and thinking that's a good look. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I might be able to pull off this look. I don't think so, but I can admire it. <laughs> well, I wonder, like you know, is it his real hair? Like does it like is it just a wig? Like what is going on? Like and like was it his like whose idea was it? Like where like. You know, was it like, I don't know. I, I would really like to know more about him, obviously. I'm getting a little bit distracted. He, he just wandered on set. He wasn't even part of the thing. He was just like, I'm just going <laughs> to. No, I mean, that's why he's like trying to sneak in all the shots. He's just like, I'm going to get on screen. 
Uh, if you go just a couple minutes later, you'll see uh, a waitress. Her, her character name is Jin Selwick, who's kind of like a, you know, an old, not, not old fashioned waitress, but she's a waitress like carrying around a tray. And you see people on the right with like weird hats and like big ponytails and, you know, a couple other, you know, aliens just kind of like laughing it up. Do you see the woman like shortly after the waitress comes in on the, the she looks like the Wicked Witch of the West with green skin? She is, the character name is Amy Loam, and I wrote it down as an alien never identified, so I don't know if we'll ever see an alien like her, but I think it's clearly the Wicked Witch of the West has just invaded Star Wars. She didn't really melt, she, she teleported to Star Wars land. So I think she's fun, and then you see the two women who are kind of flirting with uh, Anakin. The blonde woman is Haiti Gofi, Gofi, I don't know. But she, like, you know, they're two women who I think, like, they basically, I think that they both were on the on-location stuff. And I feel like I remember seeing a lot of them, like, in previews or, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, the blue lips is a great look. I think that, like, these two women also have, like, fun, you know, like, they should have, like, I mean, you know, obviously it should have been at the celebration. But, like, I think it would have been fun to have, like, an Outlander. You know, I know, you know, you have the Canto Bite Ball, but, like, I think the Outlander needs its own ball, too. Because I think that there are so many fun characters that, you know, undiscovered characters. There, Oh, and there, Bith is there again. I, like, went forward a couple minutes and then you can see that Bith again. Isn't when we're looking at those last two ladies, uh... Ahmed Best and Katie Lucas to the right of them again, too. Yes. With a with a really crazy looking uh, Corin wearing like a giant sweater or something. <laughs> well, I agree totally with what you're saying, too. Like the 501st party or something at Celebration. Again, it's the thing that the Outlander Club, it's, it's criminally overlooked as being a cool place full of a lot of different kind of Star Wars people. Yeah, no, I mean, because, like, so I went ahead to, uh, like, a couple, like, a minute, or not a minute, but 2332, and one of my very favorite characters is in there. She's got, like, white and black hair that's, like, super tall. She's dressed up really fancy. I feel like she might be from Cano Bite, and she's having the time of her life. Like, she just won something, or, like, she's got her hands up in the air. You know, again, I've never noticed her before, but now I'll see her, you know, every every time. Uh, but like it's so dark and you're like swirling around very much you don't get it's really really hard to appreciate all the details and all the work that the costume people and the prop people and you know the makeup people and the hair people did in this scene I mean it's a lot of work it's a lot of you know really cool detailed stuff and it doesn't go the easy route of just filling it with wacky aliens there's a lot of people in the Outlander Club. Yeah. Nothing against wacky aliens, but also, like, just seeing kind of people like this, like, cool people in Star Wars, like, people hanging out at a nightclub in Star Wars. We had never seen anything like this before. Right. At this point, there had been so many wacky aliens in Star Wars. Seeing cool people was almost more outrageous than wacky aliens. It really was. It really was. Because it was shocking sitting there in May 2002, be like, whoa never seen anything like this before no and this is really like i'm i have not gone on the galactic star cruiser but like i kind of like i hope you get that feeling if you're on the galactic star cruiser because like people are dressed up and they have cast members that are dressed up but like you know you've got some aliens but most of it is just people like from different you know walks of life 
just living it up. But like, I really just, what I love about it is that like, I love seeing all the different, you know, characters and I love how many of them are people who just wanted to be in a Star Wars film. Because I think that most people, when they think of who is in this scene, they know that, you know, Ahmed Best was in it. Maybe they know that Katie Lucas was in it. And then at 2348, you see Anthony Daniels. And I actually just saw Anthony Daniels at um, the Denver Fan Expo. He was there. And he, it was very funny because I knew that I was going to do this podcast with you guys. And he started talking about the Outlander Club. And I was like, (laughs) you know, like, I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I've got to record this. Like, what is he going to say? And he didn't really say all that much, but he said that he wanted to be, he wanted his face in a Star Wars film. Like he wanted to be like more as him, but it was kind of a last minute request and they didn't have a costume for him. And so what he said is that they had a jacket. The only jacket they had was too short for his arms. And so they wrapped some gold braid around his arms to like cover the gap. And then he felt like that kind of, you know, gave him a little bit of like a character, you know, to go with. But I just thought that that was all kind of, you know, delightful and I think that his character I think that I was trying to think of like who has an action figure because I know that Ahmed Best does I know that that Elin Sleesbagno has one and I'm pretty sure that Anthony Daniels his character is uh Danny Fayoni I think he might also have a, a character but I can't remember he should he has one he comes with a drink oh that's delightful <laughs> And then right after that, you get a really good look, another good look at Ahmed Best and Katie Lucas. And then in the middle, you get your best look at the Twi'lek. The, she's kind of like the orangish color. Um, Ivita is her name. And sometimes I've heard that she's an exotic dancer. She's got another backstory someplace else where she's the uh, female slave of a crime lord named Hat Low. And if you look up, it's just like H-A-T-L-O. If you look that up in Wikipedia, it's this hilarious picture of this guy with this enormous collar. But I don't think you can see him in the film. But basically, like, you know, she's there to like, you know, she's forced to, she's got a really dark backstory. She's a slave. She's there with a crime lord. She's there to like be forced to like, you know, entertain clients. But like here she seems like she's having a grand old time. And so I kind of like don't, you know, I'm like, eh, no, that's not, you know, that's fake news. That's fake. That's not the real the real story. Like I like to just think of it as her as Katie Lucas as being being friends and being out on the town. Well, and what's amazing too, I've never noticed in the Anthony Daniels part, there's Sheer Pants Lady, and then when Obi Wan is walking over to pick up Zam, there's Sheer there's Sheer Pants Lady. Yeah, I mean that's again like when you start if you start trying to track people. Like, you were like, wait a minute, they're in every single shot. <laughs> you know, like, At like 23, 54, 55, when, when Obi-Wan picks up Zam to the right is Lion Mane Man, like full body shot of him <laughs> in his like pants and boots live up to the hair. Oh my goodness. There he is. Look at that. And he's got a big old tattoo on his arm. Yeah. And we got to put a call out for him and Sheer Pants Lady and everyone, really. I mean, because like... I don't know. Everyone, like, I think that, like, all of the extras in the scene, like, I feel like it had to have been really fun to, like, you know, like, I'm sure, like, I mean, being on movie sets is, like, is, is never as fun as people think. Like, it's a lot of waiting and it's hot and you're, like, in costumes and stuff like that. But I still, like, in my mind, I'm like, this must have just been delightful to be in this, like, 
ridiculous Star Wars bar with all of these, you know, crazy, you know, aliens and, you know, in characters and fun costumes. I like to think that they all had real drinks in their glasses. I hope so. So right after this, I think that that is really like right after that is when Obi-Wan is like, okay, Sam, like we got to get out of here. Easy. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks. And then you sadly just cut away and you're back out in the streets of Coruscant. Um, and, you know, I'm still impressed by, like, how many, like, they have so many people in the background of Coruscant, too. Like, those, everything was, like, super packed. Um, but then you get the scene where Zam gets the the poison dart. And then they cut away back to the Jedi Council. So, like, really from outside, the chase outside of Outlander Club to this moment is, it's about four minutes. But as, you know... I think that you can you can spend a whole day <laughs> there if you want. It just makes Zam Wessel that much cooler because not only is she just awesome on her own, she also brings Obi-Wan and Anakin and the viewers of the movie along to this wonderful bar to see all these wild people. So we need to we need to appreciate Zam Wessel, yeah. Yeah. What a gift she's given all of us. Well, we gotta give a special shout out too to that it's like an alien walking real slow down the back alley out the back door of the Outlander Club when they first come out. I've always really loved that guy. The guy who looks kind of lost? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I could be an extra in a Star Wars movie, that's what I would want to do. Like, where's this, where, is this the way home? Oh, jeez. <laughs> but that basically, that is what, you know, and I mean, honestly, like, I feel like if you caught me on another day or if you invited another guest, like, they would have found, you know, like, 20 other kind of, like, fun and unique things um, about this just because, you know, there's just, it's just so full of details. And they're not, you know, I think it's a great scene because they're not, they're fun to look at. Like, you'll notice things, even if you're just paying attention to the main characters. They're not distracting but if you do want to take the time to appreciate what's going on in the background, you will you will not be disappointed. Well, it's a really good thing to bring up because, yeah, there's Jason and I are as guilty as anyone of, of how much time we spent, you know, looking at the, the background of the cantina or Jabba's palace. And, and the fact that Attack of the Clones had a moment like that where there's this location and it's just full of the craziest stuff. And unfortunately, Attack of the Clones as a movie is filled with so much crazy stuff that it gets lost in. I'm glad you brought it to our attention that we need to uh, give it the, give it the time it deserves. Well, when I did, uh, when I did the 365 Star Wars women project, I spent a lot of time with the women that were in the Outlander club and with the female Jedi in the battle of Geonosis. And those two sequences, like I just fell in love with both of them because of that, because both of those sequences just have, so many characters that you, you know, you see for a second and you'll never see ever again. Um, but, you know, they just really, you know, I really do miss that. I miss when every single background character had this like hilariously, like very complicated back history. <laughs> like I understand why they don't do that quite so much, but I will, I will always be uh, entertained with it.
something kind of a, a spin on the cantina sequence from the original Star Wars, and then see what we can do with it. And instead of you know making it so chaotic um, and and sort of you know really kind of interesting in a seedy way that we saw on, t on Tatooine, we wanted to take the approach that, okay, well, this is a, a, a festive place. This is still, you know, a, a place where, you know, young people go and celebrate and stuff, and you have all this intrigue going around it. And so we, of course, filled it with color and sound and music. That set was under construction for probably six or eight weeks, gradually building it up. It took quite a, a while to get it to its, uh, its shootable state, and we shot on it for I think it was less than a whole day. I think it was about two-thirds of a day. And then the next day they were tearing it all apart. Large parts of it were going into the dumpster. And it just seems like such a tragic thing. You know, so much effort goes into those sets. But we needed that space to, to put the next set in. Master in the biggest lightsaber-wielding adventure ever. Star Wars, Episode 2, Yoda the Man. Available on DVD and VHS. Rated PG. And these... Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. everybody you know the deal with apple podcast reviews when you get done listening to this we would love it if you would leave us a nice review over there on apple Podcasts. if you listen on something apple and if you listen on spotify we'd love a five-star review over there too and make sure you check out our website blastpointspodcast.com and you're following us on instagram twitter and facebook and if you're on facebook make sure you're a member of the blast point super chill group if you want to support the show in a different way, over there on Patreon, we have got the Blast Points Army, where we still have our Andor recap episodes. They're still coming out. <sighs> we're in the final stretch here for Andor, and over there on the Blast Points Army, we're doing our weekly recaps over there. And if you are a member of the Blast Points Army, thank you so much for our, your support. But Amy, we cannot thank you enough for this incredible journey into the Outlander Club. We've learned so many new things. I don't, it's just amazing. Well, thank you for giving me an excuse to do a deep dive in something obscure in Star Wars, because that's pretty much my favorite thing to do. <laughs> that's how, you know, you distract yourself from, you know, Twitter imploding and climate issues. You know, you're like, but what if I just spent an afternoon watching this four minute sequence 12 times in a row? <laughs> it's the magic of Star Wars. Yeah. So what, what have you got going on that you can talk about? You're, you're an extremely busy person, always doing many different things. What, what can you share with our listeners that you have uh, new and cool, either something that happened or something that's on the way? 
Well, so I'm extremely excited about the Star Wars Timelines book, which I think is coming out in February. I know the date was moved. Um, That book is just something that I will always be super honored to be a part of. It's a book that as a fan, I have always wanted. It really is just completely crazy, like the amount of information that's in there. The designers of that book just deserve everything in the world. They're just amazing. Um, So I'm very, very excited about um, that book. And I, I can't talk about the other stuff, but I am excited about some stuff that I have going on. Um, I hope that, you know, some of it gets announced soon. Um, some is Star Wars, some is not. I'm actually like working on a book that is not Star Wars, which is exciting. Not, you know, I I could work on Star Wars books for the rest of my life and that's all I would do. And that would be just fine. Uh, but like that would fulfill me, but, um, I'm excited to kind of explore other universes as well. Um, and normally I would say, you know, I'm the most active on Twitter, you know, today is a weird day to be recording because I'm not, you know, it's unclear how long that's going to last. But I am on Twitter and I kind of resurrected my Instagram. I'm just Amy, at Amy Rickow there. And so please connect with me. I love to chat with Star Wars fans and see what other Star Wars fans are creating. I hope I'm going to be at Celebration in London, but I'm not for sure. But I certainly hope to because the, the I've been to the last two Celebrations and they were Super fun, but I really just cannot stress enough about how excited I am for everyone to get um, a peek of the Star Wars Timelines book. Like, I, I, I don't think I'll ever be a part of something quite as cool and, and epic as that. That's so cool. And I we, we can't wait to see it also. It's that, yeah, so exciting. And we can't wait to hear about these, these super secret mystery projects that you're working on, too. I know. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like, you know, so super secret, but it's still, you know, something that I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> so, I always err on the side of, uh, I err on the side of secret. And, you know, I'm always like, can I say something? Are you sure? Are you sure? And, you know, usually the stuff that I'm involved in isn't the level of like secrecy of like and or stuff or, you know, like whatever. But, you know, but I try to be, you know, respectful of the of the, of the news, but um, I, I am very excited about some stuff, some really kind of unique and new, you know, things that I have been able able to do. So, thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. I was like, is this going to work? Is it going to be five minutes long? Like, are they going to like just stop recording halfway through? (laughs) (laughs) No, this, this was what attack of the clones needed a little, a little kick in the butt. And this was it. So (laughs) we we are indebted to you. Well, thank you for for joining me on that. You know, my ridiculous obsession about the outlander club. (laughs) May the force be with 